Quiz the Election, the podcast, is your shortcut to the federal election. Each week, we'll give you the talking points on the policy, the politics, the gaffes and why it all matters. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to the final pop-up podcast of the federal election campaign. The campaign's over. Welcome, Claire, my co-host on the Squiz Today podcast, and Greg Baxter, who's been helping us write this Squiz the Election email during the campaign. It was a late one, team. Was a very late one. It was exciting and it was seat of your pants kind of stuff, but it was late, that's for sure. Look, I think if you're going to take elections seriously, then you might as well go all out and stay <laughs> up as late as possible. Absolutely. If you're going to do it, do it properly. In the podcast today, we'll give you the results as they stand at the moment. We'll have a look at how the polling compared to the result. We'll do a whip around the states and we'll talk through what's next for each of the parties, plus, of course, a game of who said it. Last night, the coalition defeated the Labor Party. Claire, what do we we know so far about the result? What we know so far is that there was in the totals a swing towards the coalition and a swing against the Labor Party, which is something that no one was expecting. The published polls, uh, certainly the the comments coming out of the parties themselves, uh, something that no one really predicted and, and here we are. So the Labor Party have 66 seats as it stands now. The Coalition have 74 seats so far. This means they haven't yet reached the required number of seats to form a majority government, Claire. That's right. And there's still a lot of counting to go. Of course, all those pre-poll and postal votes, a lot of tight seats still to count. But it looks like what's going to happen is that the Coalition will form government, uh, if not in a majority position of 76 or 77 seats, uh, then certainly from a minority position. And a minority position means they don't get to those 76 seats, as you say, um, and that they will have to get the support of some of the crossbench. As it stands now, the crossbench includes Zali Stegall, Andrew Wilkie, Helen Haynes, who's an independent down in Indi, the Centre Alliance Party member Rebecca Sharkey, Bob Catter, and Adam Bant of the Greens. But Greg, to the Senate, it was a half Senate election, which means 40 of the 76 Senate seats were being decided upon. That's that big, long uh, bit of paper we had to fill out at the polling booth. How is the Senate looking? It looks like the Coalition will end up with about 34 um, seats of the um, of the 76, um, the ALP with 27, the Greens with nine, One Nation and the Centre of Alliance with two each. Jackie Lambie with one and Corey Bernardi with one. And, of course, the big news is zero for Clive Palmer, who was expected, I think, uh, very, very widely expected to pick up at least one Senate seat. Yeah, it seems that tens of millions of dollars don't buy you a Senate seat, uh, but the Senate results will take a little while to trickle through. It might be a number of weeks before exact we know ex- the exact makeup. So this result that we've seen overnight, Claire, Uh, If you listen to commentary, polling, betting markets, it's not what was expected. Broadly, what's being said about how Labor lost this election and how the coalition won? So Liberal supporters are saying that they ran a very disciplined campaign, that it was very focused on the economy and all the good things that their economic stewardship brings, which are things like more jobs uh, and particularly as we head towards some choppy economic waters, that they were the right people to really guide the country through that. Uh, The 
Labor Party, though, and their supporters are saying that the coalition ran a very negative campaign that was very focused on Bill Shorten, who wasn't a particularly popular leader, uh, and also the plans that they were looking to put in place that would see retirees worse off with their retirement income uh, and also lots of big spending plans that they painted as not being particularly responsible. So that's the Liberal Party's win. When it comes, though, to Labor and why they lost it, uh, the big change agenda, the big uh, out there with details well in advance of the election campaign is something that people are saying that perhaps oppositions won't do again because it left them too open to criticism. Uh, others, though, and commentators particularly this morning are having a real debate about whether that was the negative or whether it was that they didn't really explain it particularly well, that they didn't sell it enough and that people didn't get really much of a reason as to why they wanted to make those changes. It's a very simplistic look at it, but that's where the commentary's focused this morning. Lots of chat also about opinion polling and about whether it's accurate, whether it's antiquated. Uh, expect to read a bit about that if you're looking through the papers today or over the, across the week. So what we'll do now is just whip around the states. We'll start in New South Wales because perhaps the biggest individual seat story played out in Warringah last night. Greg, Tony Abbott lost his seat. He did, and he lost it convincingly. Zali Stegall has done extremely well there with, I think, being close to 60% of, of the vote after preferences. Um, and Mr Abbott ended his 25-year parliamentary career uh, very graciously with a, a nice speech uh, during the middle of the evening. And you were going to watch Gilmore down on the New South Wales south coast. Uh, yes, Gilmore was a four-cornered test that was always going to be very tight, but it's end, ended up being, I think, fairly fairly solidly won by the ALP with about 52% of the vote after preferences. Fiona Phillips is the candidate there. So, uh, and also Western Sydney was a key battleground. The Liberals did really well out there picking up Lindsay. Looks like they'll retain Macquarie and have retained Reid as well, which were some of those seats we talked about might have been in play. And Wentworth, Malcolm Turnbull's old seat, was won in a by-election by independent Karen Phelps last year, but that seat is still too close to call. Claire, in Queensland, last election, the seat of Herbert, which takes in most of Townsville, was decided by 37 votes. That was not the case this time. Really wasn't. And when you go um, north of the Brisbane River, there's no Labor member, which is quite a significant thing. Uh, the seats that we were keeping a close eye on, though, Herbert, which was the most marginal seat, uh, is now safe for the LNP. They hold that now by a margin of more than 7%, which is an incredible result there. Uh, Dixon, Peter Dutton, uh, didn't have the threat uh, come at him as everyone was expecting. He now holds that seat. Uh, looks like he's got a 2% swing towards him. Uh, and in Dawson, George Christensen, who was someone who was under a lot of pressure with national media exposing plenty of trips to the Philippines and all sorts of things about him, he had an 1126 percent swing towards him. So quite an incredible result for the coalition in Queensland. The results really came through in Queensland for the LNP and also down in Tassie, Greg, the, the Liberal Party picked up two seats. Yes, uh, halving Labor's uh, four-seat um, four hold in that state and Bass and Braddon are both going to the government with sizeable swings mm. of between sort of five, five and six percent in both cases. To Victoria, Claire, a lot of talk about how it could have been a bloodbath for the Liberal Party, but 
it wasn't as bad as what they were predicting. It really wasn't. They did have a swing against them, the coalition, but nowhere near to the extreme that was expected and they were able to pretty well hold the seats that they needed to. They didn't win the seats that they were hoping to that became notionally Labor after a redistribution of the boundaries, although there's some tight counting there and Corangamite hasn't been ruled out quite yet. But, uh, yeah, certainly it wasn't the baseball bat um, festival that people were potentially expecting there. There's still one seat, the seat of Boothby, which is undecided in South Australia. The Liberals and Labor are neck and neck there. Western Australia, no large-scale changes. Um, Similarly, in the Northern Territory and the ACT, Labor Party held on to all three of those seats across those territories. Um, Quick look at the Nationals' results, Greg. I think that the the Nats should be pretty pleased. They had a I think they had a very good night. They were under pressure in a couple of uh, seats, including seats where they had held big majorities that, that, that were under threat, and they've come away with uh, with 10 seats. Uh, two in particular I think are interesting. One was Cowper, where Rob Oakeshott, the independent, was widely predicted to cause an upset. And the other one, of course, is in New England, where Barnaby Joyce had a stunning night, winning about 54% of the primary vote. Um, so he's going to have a huge margin to uh, to enjoy over the next three years. So as far as what happens next, Scott Morrison will be waiting on counting to see if he can form a majority government, Claire, as we've talked about, and also a bit of talk about his ministry. Lots of talk about that. There's a general consensus that Scott Morrison, having pulled off the miracle, as he called it, uh, now really does have a a clean slate and a mandate to appoint the cabinet that he wants and to shape the coalition's next three years in in the image that he would like it to be. So plenty of discussions now to be had about that, even though he'd locked into the senior members of his cabinet. uh, There's an expectation that we will see some change there. Also a lot of chatter about what a Liberal party looks like without the likes of Tony Abbott, Julie Bishop, Christopher Pine. Um, and to the Labor Party, Greg, Bill Shorten last night stepped down from the Labor leadership. So they're looking for a new captain. Yes. And uh, today we've already seen uh, Anthony Albanese throw his hat into the ring for the leadership position. And uh, uh, Tanya Plibersek said this morning that she would obviously be considering uh, her options and talking to her Labor Party colleagues about it. And Mr Shorten, as we know, is going to stay on uh, in an interim capacity until that uh, leadership ballot is conducted, probably in a few weeks' time. We could also expect, I think, Chris Bowen and someone like Jim Chalmers to be considering their options as well. And they're four, I think, strong performers for the Labor Party to choose from. Yeah, and also to note is that Bill Shorten has said he will stay on in Parliament as the member for Maribyrnong. Um, So we'll watch that play out over the next few days. Moving on to our final Who Said It segment. This is where I read out a quote that relates to the election and Claire and Greg need to tell me who said it and the context in which it was said. Of course, they have no idea what I'm about to throw at them. Here we go. I prefer to be a loser than a quitter. Yes, Claire. That was Tony Abbott. He was giving a very gracious uh, speech in defeat. He was really uh, pointing there, I think, to people like Malcolm Turnbull uh, and others who, of course, quit the parliament rather than stand for re-election. It was Tony Abbott. That's exactly right. This one, yes, this one is better in writing, but I'll give it a go. Congratulations to Scott on a great win. That's all capitalised. Yeah, there you go. If it's all caps with an exclamation mark, potentially, then it has to be the President of the United States. And they're on first name terms. There's no Scott Morrison. Yeah, just Scott. There you go. There you go. Good on you. Okay, Greg, ready? 
This is probably the, the quote of the night and the one that's getting the most airplay today. The quiet Australians have won a great victory tonight. Psst. Yes, that was Scott Morrison <laughs> at his uh, during his acceptance speech to uh, an adoring crowd at the Wentworth Hotel in Sydney. It was. This one is uh, perhaps less eloquent. Sucked in with a sucker punch, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Greg. Barnaby Joyce. Barnaby yes. Joyce at his uh, <laughs> at his. Uh, well, during a, during an interview where they crossed live to his seat, he was uh, he was pretty happy with himself, as I said earlier, and uh, decided to give a few people a touch up on the way through. I think he was specifically referring to get up in that quote. All right, two more. Now that the contest is over, all of us have a responsibility to respect the result, respect the wishes of the Australian people, and to bring our nation together. I'm going to take a guess that it's Bill Shorten. That was Bill Shorten. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and lots of commentary too about this uh, sense of uh, divided uh, country, about, you know, the climate change supporters and the Adani supporters and all sorts of issues that really played out in this election. It was. It was Bill Shorten speaking late last night in his concession speech. Last one. You may have had to have been on Twitter to see this one. Yep. We blew $1.3 million. Could have been $80 million though, A class. I've got that one. Totally got it. Sports yep. bet. They paid out. That was- <laughs> they paid out <laughs> $1.3 million expecting a Labor win. But, um, yeah, their cheeky little sort of go at why that wasn't necessarily the worst thing in the world was to compare themselves to uh, Clive Palmer, who um, reports these days are saying spent $80 million on his yeah. campaign and failed to convert it to anything. Not a Senate seat, not a House of Reps seat, a big fat donut, yeah. which is what Chris Yorman called it. The acquisition price on his votes was very, very high. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Squeeze the Election, the podcast. We hope we've given you a good shortcut to the election. A special thank you, Greg, for your help over the last five weeks. Thank you. Well done, Greg. Thank you. As for Claire and I, we will speak with you tomorrow morning on the Squeeze Today podcast. Back to business as usual, Claire. Oh, yeah, indeed. And uh, no doubt there'll be lots to say in the morning as well. There will. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll chat to you tomorrow. The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesqueeze.com.au. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP.